My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 266. Ready to add another little guy to my family. My name is Caleb Hegg. <laughs> and I'm digging on that horn section. The tight chops. I'm Rob. Drinking from the tour resource mug. I got to tell you, somebody, call, somebody contacted us via a comment on YouTube and asked where they could buy the music. It's Can not I have on, that be my phone alarm it's for not when I on wake a, up in the morning? Yeah, it's not on a CD, and you'd have to buy the rights to it. We, we purchased our, our music from a, um, a, from a uh, website that, that sells um, music to commercial companies and whatnot for commercials and, and intros and stuff like that. So, um, and it, it wasn't cheap. I'm telling you, that horn section is tight, man. And now, here's the thing. That's either great programming... And it's you know awesome samples put together in a in a, like a top notch way, or and that's what or, it is. Yeah, so it's not actually performed. I don't think so. I think that he probably. I think the guy who wrote it most but likely. But here's did the it thing: on a, on he knows he knows orchestration, oh, and he he knows yeah. arrangement. So even if it's programmed. That I mean, those are those are smoking horn lines, you know, and it, it, that would be you'd have to have top notch musicians, but they could they could kick that out of the park. So I'm I I don't know if I've, I've kicked that out of the park, hit that out of the park. I don't know if I've I've mentioned this to anyone, uh, you know. Now a lot of people know that my wife and I started a, a ministry called uh, GrowingAMessiah.com, and GrowingAMessiah.com is we're we got a lot of things that we have envisioned, but. Um, they're they're moving slowly. So one thing and then another. So right now we're writing blog posts and and whatnot. And uh, we have actually we have a backlog that we're going to start posting again. We took a little time off, but we're going to start posting again. I have decided to do a my own p- podcast by myself called the Morning Gym G I M Growing in Messiah the Morning Gym. And uh, yes, it's going to be looking at, uh, at different ways to basically. Um, the basics of of the gospel and of faith in order to share the gospel with those around us. That's that's the goal of the podcast. Um, and so, why do I bring all this up? It's actually not to plug the morning gym, which uh, I'll have a release date at some point and I'll let everybody know. But um, it's actually because, just like for growing in Messiah, the morning gym, I had to find licensed music that I wanted to purchase and uh, to do it right, you know. And I got to tell you. In the very beginning, when I start looking for music on these sites, it's really fun. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I get to spend my time, you know, listening to music for, you know, a little while. 
Well, that little while always turns into, I think it took me probably two and a half, three hours to find the, the song that Growing in Messiah, or that, uh, that Messiah Matters uses for their intro. And it took me about three hours to find this song that I wanted to use for uh, the morning gym. So it's actually, it's, it's harder to find good music than you think. But uh, yeah, the, the intro music for Messiah Matters, it's good. Props to whoever wrote it. I think mm-hmm. I I think I have the uh, the the author's name, but yeah. Mm. Good morning from Western Australia in the chat room. Very cool. Love that. Wow. Yes, awesome. we we keep getting more and more uh, Aussies and a couple of Kiwis as well, <laughs> which is awesome. And I'm not sure why, but but uh, we need we need someone to videotape. Like the sink draining or the toilet flushing, not with anything in it, but just oh, the other the, way. The, the the story is that in the southern hemisphere, right, in a drain, water goes the opposite direction. Opposite direction, right? You think it's true? I don't know. We need someone um, from Australia or New Zealand to to uh, your homework. The, your homework this week. <laughs> Send us a video. <laughs> Okay. We need more than one witness. We need someone from Australia and someone from New Zealand going to a, a clean toilet. <laughs> you, have to, you know, have a good grip on your phone. You don't so want your phone going. Beth from uh, Western Australia says, yes, it really does go the opposite way. And actually, there is a video on YouTube of a guy. There's a like where on the equator there's they've set up like a station on one side of the equator, the other side of the equator, and then right in the middle of where the equator is supposed to be. Oh, yeah. And there's like a demonstration that, that that's done. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, We're uh, doing it. We're going to the equator. I know, right? Uh, oh, let's put up our funny. executive producers. Thanks to all of our executive pr- producers for being our executive producers. It is because of our producers and because of our supporters that this show happens. And so we want to give a great thanks and shout out to everyone who makes it happen. And uh, we did post, I think, uh, two weeks ago. We had last week off. Um, and then two weeks ago, we had uh, we did put a, a Messiah Matters more video up for our producers. I don't know if we're going to put something up this week. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Um, but uh, keep your uh, keep your your eyes open for that. Um, so once again, big thanks to all of our to, uh, to our supporters. Um, and let's you know we haven't done this in a while. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you'd like to call our comment line, and yes, 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 I do know that I need to change the the message machine. It still references Torah Resource Radio, which is not part of uh, Torah Resource anymore. You can call the comment line 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You'll get an answering machine. It's not us. It's just an answering machine and the message is wrong. I know, but you can leave us messages. And then you can also send us email, chagatorahresource.com, chagatorahresource.com. You know, I wasn't going to say anything, but <clears throat> I would my I would just like to thank everyone. My brother died last week and uh, it's uh, the outpouring of, I mean, my my parents have been inundated with flowers, cards, mm-hmm. uh, messages. It's been hundreds, literally hundreds. It's awesome. been it's been very cool. So thank you to everybody for that. It is appreciated. Okay, let's jump in. Uh, we got an email, and this is Colleen. This is a whoever wrote this great email, and uh, you know I didn't even edit the email. Uh, I just put the, plop the whole thing in here because there's a lot to cover in the email. 
She says, I heard you say on show 199. Now, 199, we're at 266 currently. And we attempted to change format. It's so subtle that I think a lot of people don't realize the, the change in format, which is fine. Uh, we know the change in format, and we're happy about the change in format. So the change in format happened at 200. One of the things that we've talked about in the office is actually uh, unlisting all like everything before show 200 and making it available on the Torah Resource. Oh, sorry, my email's still up. And making it available on the Torah Resource website. Um, and uh, basically, you would have to go to the Torah Resource website to be able to watch uh, the previous uh, shows, which I think we should. I think we should do that. I think, I, th I think we'll probably end up doing that sometime. It's a lot of work, though. Um, anyway, uh, with that said, so show 199 was, I think it was uh, titled See You Next Time. Anyway, um, you can still find it on YouTube, so go watch it if you want to. She says, I heard you say on show 199 that believing in Yeshua is, uh, I'm sorry, that believing Yeshua is God is a salvation issue. This is an interesting question. I've, I've wrestled with this a lot recently, and we'll talk about that. That's what this whole show is going to be about. Um, she goes on. This has been a big question for me. I absolutely believe he, that is Yeshua, is God slash Yahweh in the flesh. That's good that you believe that because that's true. In my travels through the Hebrew Roots movement, I've come across all sorts of beliefs. This topic became a huge issue at one of my groups in another group we were affiliated with. In part, this issue led to the demise of both groups. Some people were of the opinion you cannot fellowship with those who do not believe this. Others were not. Now, this is where I want to stop for the first time because... Um, well, actually, let's go through the next paragraph because she hits on this a little bit more. I currently fellowship with some who do not believe Yeshua is yod vav -Hey. The belief ranges from he was not even pre-existing to he was pre-existent and born of a virgin and the Messiah sent from yod vav -Hey, son of God, but not yod vav -Hey in the flesh. Um, so, and what this goes back to, for those who might be confused by that, because... Um, I have good friends and uh, people that actually people that I fellowship with as well who believe this same doctrine, which is the doctrine that Yeshua was uh, pre-existent to the world, but created at some point. Um, and he is an agent of God, but not a um, but not yod heh vav -Hey in the flesh. In other words, he takes on an agent role. Now, there's a ministry that I'm well aware of that basically teaches and believes this. Um, and well, they don't teach it. They believe it, but they don't teach it, which I think is, I think it's a little bit uh, not being honest. This is probably one of the most important things you could ask any ministry that you follow. Do you believe that Yeshua is yod heh vav -Hey in the flesh? Now, a lot of these groups that don't want to... And why do, why do ministries, modern like Hebrew roots and, and Messianic ministries, not want to cop to this? Well, because they know that they would lose a huge amount of their listenership or their, you know, their supporters. Here's, here's a couple of good tests. A, do you mean, you, wait a minute, wait a minute. They, they don't want to confess it or they don't want to address it? They don't Which, want to confess that they see. So they'll use language like, so, uh, you know, you'll say something like, do you believe that Yeshua is yod heh vav -Hey in the flesh? 
and they'll say, we believe, and they won't say no. They'll say, we believe that Yeshua is Elohim. Or that he's divine. That he's divine or that he is Elohim. And the, the reason that they'll use the word Elohim instead of yod heh vav is because Yeshua says, we are all Elohim, right? <laughs> oh, John 10. That's right. a misreading of John 10. I view. completely agree. It's a misreading of John 10. But the point is, is that they, they try to squirm out of it by using language that people hear as, yes, we believe Yeshua is yod heh vav but it's not really saying, yes, Yeshua is yod heh vav Here's a couple of really easy things that you can do. Ask, do you believe that Yeshua is, or do, do you believe in the Trinity? That's it. That's an easy one. Because a lot of people are going to, somebody, Beth says, isn't that a bit intellectually dishonest? No, it's not a bit. It's very intellectually dishonest. And I think that if people realized the person that I'm talking about or the people that I'm talking about, I think that they would actually be shocked. That's why I think that people should ask their teachers blatantly, do you believe in the Trinity? Somebody said to me, you can't find that. And this is a huge issue right Wait, what's now. What's that I missed because I don't have the chat room open. Right. What's the intellectually dishonest thing? The, say, when, when you ask if if Yeshua is yod heh in the flesh, if they... Oh, and then they answer it differently. Right. And then they... Oh, I see what you mean. Right. Okay. Um, and this is not to say that Yeshua is the father. And this is where Trinity, I mean, the, the, you know, this, this has been wrestled with for 2,000 years of, of church history. Somebody said to me uh, in, in, a, in the comments on one of our videos recently, uh, you, you can't find anything about the Trinity before the Roman councils, the, the Catholic Roman ca- councils. They said, I, I, you know, show me any place where the, where the Trinity is preached before the Roman councils, the Catholic Roman councils. And I wrote back and in, in referenced Genesis 1. The Spirit hovered over the waters. The Spirit of God hovers over the waters. And then in verse 20, I think it's 23 or 28, it says, let us make man in our image. Sure. So it references the Holy Spirit. And we know that Yeshua was part of this, right, because of John. And John says that all things were created through him, right, right, for right. him, right? Interesting there, too, because on the one of the linchpins so-called, for the documentary hypothesis group. So these are the 19th century German, you know, the Julius, Julius Wellhausen, right? Right. And his, the way of reading scripture was that the Torah of Moses is not a coherent composition in and of itself. Rather, it is a stitch work done in the time of the Babylonian exile where Jewish priests took a bunch of different stories and stitched them into one giant story. Right. And and thus you read Genesis 1 and you see about Elohim and Ruach Elohim. And Genesis 2 talks about yod heh vav creating everything. And there's, their response is, see, this is proof that there's just two creation stories. One is of Elohim and has Ruach Elohim. And in our Debutenu, uh, uh, right, in our image and likeness, etc. And then you have Genesis 2 account, which has the Tetragrammaton in it, and that what these Jewish priests did is they just stitched them together. They're really two different sources. Well, we're not advocating a documentary uh, stitch work composition to the Pentateuch here. You know, we're, we're not advocating that. Um, so, but could you not say the same thing? Well, Genesis 1 doesn't say yod heh at all. 
You know, so where's Yod Hevave in creation? And then you go all to Genesis 2. In God's wisdom, he tells us more information. And it says, in the day that Yod Hevave made uh, the heavens and the earth. So already, you don't need to get to the apostolic writings. With Genesis 1 and 2, there's a number of questions about the nature of God. We have Elohim, you have Ruach Elohim, you have Yod Hevave. And are these, do we hang a hat on each of the, are these different hooks that we hang a hat on? Or is it, or is God already blowing our mind? The big mind blower and my a good friend of mine who I had the privilege of teaching Hebrew to, he was blown away with Genesis 1-1 where it says, Bereshit bara Elohim. The verb is singular and Elohim is plural. And that break, so the first word of the Torah breaks the basic grammar rule right. that uh, the the noun or the subject has to agree in number and in gender with the verb. Genesis 1-1 breaks that, and it usually breaks it for Elohim. And uh, anyways, there's, in other words, there's a lot of questions about the nature of God that are kind of shaken up for us from the beginning. And so I think it's good that you, you uh, go right to Genesis 1. I think that, yeah, I think that, uh, so to answer this person's, to, to, to answer this person's first kind of question or, you know, conversational point. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with uh, being in fellowship or having someone in your community that is, uh, that doesn't believe the same as you on this issue. If they're, if, as long as they're not going to actively try to convince other people. And that might sound weird, but if I have a person in my community that's continually trying to, to convince people that Yeshua is not Yodhe Vave, guess what? Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Now it's time for you to move on. If you're going to actively try to, to uh, reverse evangelize, then 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 we have a problem. And we're going to talk more. You know, some people in the chat room have said, "Oh, well, the the, the apostolic scripture, scriptures never come out and say that Yeshua is God." I disagree with that completely. Um, you know, it, well, that's kind of our topic today, right? Right, and it, and it calls Yeshua the image of the living God. Um, okay. She goes on. Okay. I've been seeking to understand God's truth on these two. I think she means like two issues. Must a person believe Yeshua is yod vav to be saved? And we're going to talk about that in a few seconds. Or just that he is from God and is the Messiah died and resurrected, etc. Number two, should we be fellowshipping with those who do not believe this? What about if there is no teacher, just group discussion? Well, first of all, you know, this is one of the issues coming back to community. And, and we've talked about community a lot recently. I think this is one of the biggest downfalls of the Torah movement in, in general is that people have not people are not in community and they have not appointed leaders in community. If you are in a uh, in a group that is your sole and primary community. Then there then. It, there should be leaders. Even if there's, even if you have six people, naturally there will be one or two people who will come out of the woodwork and, and lead the group. That's all there is to it. And if there's not, then you're going to have problems because what, ha what ends up happening is you have people who come in who disagree or don't believe something, uh, you know, believe something uh, that's inerrant. And what happens is, is that, uh, 
is that that starts to sway people and you need people in place that'll say, we don't believe this or I'm sorry, you can stay here, but you're going to have to be quiet on this issue. And if you don't, we're going to have to ask you to leave. You know, when a wolf comes in, you have to have a shepherd that, that takes the wolf out, you know, that takes the, the wolf away from the sheep. That's all there is to it. Right. And if you don't have that in a community, then find a new community. You know, and I think that goes even for uh, a Bible study of, of four people, three or four people. Um, and, and I think that the scriptures teach that too. In Second Timothy, or first, Second Timothy, we're ta- it talks about uh, leadership and leadership roles. Um, you know, we're, we're told to appoint elders and deacons, right? So, um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong you know, would you let an unbeliever come to your to your Bible study and or your uh, your group who was, you know, perhaps an atheist or an agnostic? I would. Sure. So why wouldn't, you know, the same goes for, for just about anyone. Um, if they're if they're coming from a, a, an attitude of willingness to learn and to hear then absolutely. If they're coming to say, I'm just going to prove these people wrong, then I would say it's not a good, this is a waste of your time and mine. Right. You know. Okay. Um, So then I think the last paragraph I'll read, where in scripture can you tell me a person must believe he, that is Yeshua, is Yodhe in the flesh to be saved? It says we must believe he came in the flesh, and I believe it teaches he is Yodhe in the flesh. But where does it say we must believe that that about him to be saved? Okay, well, let's go to it. And uh, I have to admit, I had this same question. I I would say, if I just made a a general statement off the top. Okay. It's not not an entry requirement to the kingdom. However, it's an inevitable, it's an inevitable thought that you will have. It's in, in, in other words, the faith uh, uh, that is sown into our hearts by God's grace, by get the gift of faith, by God's grace, by which we, this is the spirit of his son in our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that seed will confess Yeshua is yod And the it, scriptures say that. And the scriptures will affirm that time and time again. So... That's my core. If I were just to say the thesis position, is is that's it? It's absolute coherent. It's a coherent seed that will grow and produce fruit according to the truth of of the design. So I'm in a I'm in a community with uh, Andre, who Andre Philippe, who's been on on the show before. Actually, I've interviewed him on the show before, and. Um, I'm one of the I'm one of the leaders at the at this community, and uh, you know we were kind of I was kind of batting this question around. This was long before this email came in. I was kind of batting this this question around. You know, is belief that Yeshua is Yodhevave is it a salvation issue? And uh, Andre really took me to the mat on it, and he convinced me. And so I owe a lot of this to Andre and his uh, his excellent work in uh, uh, it, uh, just his study in the in the Word. You know, having having good uh, Den- solid. I would believers. also say denial is the issue. 
is an issue. If you deny it, there's all sorts of trouble, deep mischief, right. and deep trouble. Okay, let's go to the word then. Particularly, just forgiveness of uh, forgiveness of sin. Okay, you okay? Go for it. Okay, so um, there's there's two main places that I would go, but uh, I'm going to start with John, John eight, and John eight is just full of of uh, I, I like to call this the I am chapter. Now we've talked about. Um, We've talked about, oh, yeah, I want to bring up that. Is it Isaiah 47? So we've talked about um, the I am's in, in John 8 before. Um, and, oh, oops. And what, what is he referencing here? Now, we've talked in previous shows about is the I am in John 8, 58, is, is it a reference to Exodus 3? We'll read this passage in just a second. Exodus 3, or is it a, is it a reference to Isaiah I think, uh, wasn't it? Anyway, um, let's see here. Now in Isaiah, I think it's three, uh, 47, Isaiah 47. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, ho the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence. Okay, I'm in verse 6 now. I'm looking for something. I apologize. There's an I am in here. Um now, therefore, hear this, you lover of pleasures who sit, uh, who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. I shall not sit as a widow. These two things. Anyway, there's a place in, and maybe the chat room will know. What am I looking for, chat room? It's in Isaiah, and it's, taught in, it's the I am passages where God refers to himself as I am. Anyway, um, so we've, we've, uh, we've considered whether or not... Uh, well, the burning bush... Right. I mean, Exodus 3. Exodus 3. Okay, so um, let's start in, in John 8, 24. And this is, this is blatant. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that, ego me, I am, you will die in your sins. Now, ego me, there's a way that uh, some of your English translations will translate this, I am he. But ego me is not I am he, it's I am. And this is how this, this, the ego me is what's translated in Exodus 3. It's also translated in, in Isaiah. And it refers to yod heh vav -Heh. And I and And I think that we have la later on in, in John 8, we, he clarifies this. So it's not, he's not just referring to I am he. In other words, I am the Messiah. So, Listen to it again. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, later in the exact same chapter, Yeshua says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, ego me, I am. And what do they do? They pick up stones to stone him. We've talked about John 8, 58 before, right? This is clearly a reference. I don't, I don't understand grammatically in the Greek how anyone could say that this isn't a reference to uh, to either Exodus 3 or yeah, Isaiah. He's saying that he was before Abraham was. Exactly. And and, and, well, and, and that he's and, I am. And the way they're thinking of it, they're, the way they're hearing it, the only way their brain works at that you know instant, they're like, wait a minute, you're not older than, you, you haven't been around longer than Abraham. But then they put it together, don't they? They pick up stones to stone him. They know it's blasphemy if he's yeah. not... Yodhevave. That's the point. The Pharisees sure got it. 
It's only the Jehovah's Witness and people in the in the Hebrew Roots movement that that don't seem to get it. So if you take John eight fifty eight for what it really is, which is a reference to the burning bush, and bring it back to John eight twenty four, then then this for unless you believe that ego a me, you will die in your sins. Hmm, right. I think that that's pretty pretty uh, damning evidence. And now, well, and and if we allow ourselves, because we don't need to go just to John, we're going to get this from Peter, we get it from Paul, we get it in Matthew, but um, forty-one in ter- in ten. terms of different. Beth, thank you so much. Okay, chorus. Let's, let's of read it. Uh, well, here, the, yeah, the John twenty was Thomas after the resurrection, unless I see him, right? And so Yeshua says to Thomas, "This is John twenty twenty-seven. Reach here with your finger. See my hands. Reach here." your hand and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered, said to him, uh, my Lord and my God, which was in yeah. Hebrew, Adonai Elohai. Right. That's what the psalmist throughout the Psalms cries out to Lord, to God. And Yeshua said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. I mean, so let's say, okay, well, maybe the gospel of John, we need to get rid of, (laughs) you know, I mean, that would be one possible response. Well, okay. It looks like John uh, does equate Yeshua with, you know, incarnation. Well, we know that from John, from John chapter one, don't we? Right. Um, But if you say, okay, we're going to cut John out. Okay. Well, let's look where else you're going to keep cutting out stuff <laughs> well yeah i mean we've talked also about um uh philippians 2 right <laughs> i mean i don't understand how you can get away from that that's clearly a reference to isaiah we'll get we can get to that in a few minutes um so thank you beth in the chat room she says the reference that we're looking for uh, that i was looking for was isaiah forty one ten. i'll start in isaiah forty one eight. but you israel my servant jacob whom i have chosen the offspring of abraham by my friend you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its far- farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for, ego a me, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will, behold, uh, I will uphold you with my, uh, with my righteous right hand. Anyway, um, and we have this kind of language throughout Isaiah. Let's get. Let's move quickly to uh, Romans ten nine through ten. Uh, th- there's multiple actually, I th- and the more I kept looking, the more I realized. Oh man, there's just so many here. Um, so Romans nine uh, ten nine through ten. Uh, because if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Kurios, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now. I understand, and the argument will be made by, by some, that uh, kurios here just means master or lord. So it would be translated, if you believe in your heart that Yeshua is master. But, and Chris Tilling has done very good work on this. I think, was it Tilling? Who am I thinking about? Anyway, there's been a lot of work done on this. Kurios is the way that the apostolic scriptures, well, okay, first of all, the Septuagint, uh, translates yod heh vav heh as kurios. And it all- uses what we call it, the, it codifies the the oral recitation, which was Adonai. So you see yod heh vav heh, 
in the scripture, they vocalize Adonai or right. Mari in Aramaic. And then that, because that, so it's the tradition, the Hebrew and Aramaic recitation tradition that gets translated into Greek, kurios. Right. Yeah. So every time that you have a the the apostolic scriptures quoting from the Tanakh, and they use Yod Vav the Tetragrammaton or the sacred name of God, what is it in the Greek? Gorias. There's one time in Septuagint where it actually transliterates Adonai, Aleph Dalit. Uh, I don't know if it's an Omicron or Omega, uh, New Aleph Yod Adonai. It actually transliterates the recitation tradition rather than puts curios. But the, um, but, but the do, question... Are you going to finish the passage from Romans 10? Sure. Yeah, because if you keep going, he cites Joel right. and uses curios. So, Whoever calls upon the name of curios, Yeah, right? so he says, uh, because if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is curios, Lord, or yod heh vav heh, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Is that what you want me, or did you want me and to keep going? going? Okay, hang on just a sec. I got to bring it up here. Romans 10. Romans 10. It's just the next bit right after that. And following. I could, I For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him with no, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction. Distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord, or the same Kurios is, is Kurios of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There you go. So those are two citations. One has Kurios as the Joel, and then the other one before that as uh, Isaiah, will not be ashamed. But it's talking about Yeshua. It's clear that Paul is citing these passages from the Tanakh with absolute central focus on, on Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's saying that this is a this is a package deal, right? This is it. There's no alternative. So though yeah, and those right there, what did I do? Those right there are two references. So we have John and and Paul. And Paul both tell us that you have to believe that Yeshua is Yodhe Vavhe to be saved. Um, now when it comes to uh, and I, I love this passage um, have this thinking in among you, and this is Philippians 2, 5 and following, which is yours in Messiah Yeshua, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, He emptied, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. What name is that? yod vav So that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What is this a reference to? This is a reference to Isaiah, right? And, and, and Paul uh, changes the name from yod vav to Yeshua. So that at the name of yod heh vav heh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you, right? But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, so that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Yeshua is kurios to the glory of God the Father. I'd, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see how you can get around this, but let's keep going because there's more. I read this one yesterday. 
Uh, this was just it just happened to be in my reading cycle, and I understand that the point. I yeah okay we could we could exegete this passage if we want, but First uh, Corinthians twelve three. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Yeshua is accursed, and no one can say Yeshua is kurios except in the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Now, th- this is, uh, scholars have done a ton of work on this. What is Paul referencing here? He's referencing the Shema, right? Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, Adonai is our God, Adonai is one. Okay? Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all, are all things and for whom we exist, and one kurios, Yeshua, the Messiah, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Paul uses Deuteronomy 6.4 and the, the Shema and wraps the Father and the Son together and says that they are kurios. They are God and kurios. Right, right. Paul does it a lot. Like, for example, here in 1 Corinthians 8, he says, by sinning against the brethren, wounding their conscience, you sin against Christ. So in other words, Paul says that when you sin against another, you're sinning against Messiah. And that, (laughs) what does that mean? You think back to David in, uh, in Psalm 51, where he had sinned, like, who did he sin against? He sinned, you know, against Uriah. He had Uriah murdered. And, but he says, against you only I have sinned, Lord, in Psalm 51. And even in this week's Torah portion, in the in the one-year cycle, at least the one out of Israel, is Parshat Naso, the, sev- the second Parsha from Book of Numbers. We read that it says, if you sin against a, uh, if a man or woman sins against his neighbor, he has done treachery against the Lord. Right. He's actually sinned against God in sinning against a neighbor. Well, Paul here, like Caleb, if you sin against someone else, you don't sin against me. You know, you know what I mean? If you, if you sin against your neighbor, that's not a sin against me, but it's a sin against Messiah. Right. So what class is Messiah in if, if that, Someone sins against someone else; they're actually sinning against him. Right? There's no, no. The logic, the 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 framework for understanding Yeshua in Paul's mind is that he is incarnate Yodevave. Um, how about Peter? I got one from Peter. Okay, hang on just a sec. I want to address something that was oh. in the chat room a few minutes ago. So someone said that uh, the apostolic scriptures never call Yeshua Yodhevave. Well, they call him God. Titus two thirteen. Yeah. Well, and Titus two thirteen. Waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. And there has been, I mean, Wallace has done, Wallace's, uh, Dr. Daniel Wallace's uh, PhD uh, dissertation was on this verse and whether or not the Granville Sharp rule applies here. And I think that he knocks it out of the park. It certainly applies here. It would be the only place that the Greek construction that it currently 
is in Titus 2.3. It would be the only place in the apostolic scripture where there would be a comma between God and Savior. Yeah. Well, we already saw it. He says, unless you believe that I am. Right. I am is just the way that it was the concept of what, back to Exodus 3, yod is is given the name from the burning bush as Ehyeh Asher Ehyeh, unpacking what it what, right. what it just captures, or it, as it does later in Exodus, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will have grace upon whom I will have grace. That it, so when we say I am, it's the one who is beholden to no one. He is, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, it's the same thing in Revelation 1, who was, who is, and, and is, and is coming. Um, the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. All these ways we're trying to use human language to describe, and those right. are the ways that God gives us to think about it. Because, but it's uh, this concept that's obviously hard for us to get our brain around. But he says, unless you believe that I am, well, that's when when they're going to stone him. It's they don't need to doesn't need to have the tetragrammaton written in front of them for them to understand what's being said. Exactly. Okay, you said okay, you had something. Here's from another first one. Peter? Am I up? Yep. Go for it. So First Peter three. So we did. We've got. We've got. Uh, we did John, we did Paul, here's, here's some Peter. Uh, 14, if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And then he quotes Isaiah 8, do not fear their intimidation, do not be troubled, but sanctify Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Yeah. Always being ready to make defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. Okay, so he quotes Isaiah 8, and what does it say? Isaiah 8, 12. Uh, don't say conspiracy to everything that people call it a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord Adonai, yod heh whom you shall sanctify. He is your fear. He is your dread. It's a quote. He's taken Isaiah 8, Peter is, and he for yod heh he's putting Yeshua the Messiah. Think about it. If what would he be saying? If Messiah is just a man to sanctify him in my heart. Right. Now this is Peter. Peter has one up on Paul in that Peter was there on the mountain. It was Mount Tabor in the, with the transfiguration. I mean, and he's saying sanctify Messiah the Lord, Kurios, I, I don't, in I, your heart. That's that. That's either idolatrous or Messiah is Yodivave. There's You either have to get 1 Peter 3 out of your Bible or you have to accept that it's the, uh, that, the truth of what we're saying. Well, I, it's not just that either, is it? I mean, there's tons. I, I wonder what people say. Like, I... There's just so many places. What about the Tanakh itself? Let's look for it here. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son yep. is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Gibor, right? Prince of Peace. Sarah Shalom. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is probably. Here's another one. <laughs> we go got, for it. We need it. We've got. We need it. Well, just for a fourth witness from the apostolic writings. If you're going to say, "Oh, let's get rid of Paul," let's get rid of John, let's get rid of Peter. Let's. How about Matthew? And we talked about this in our local community. We're reading through Matthew over the year, so every week we read a little bit more through. And we were in, we finished up chapter twenty this last week, and so at the end of chapter twenty. There, as they were leaving Jericho up to Jerusalem, a large crowd followed him as Yeshua. Two blind men sitting in the road, hearing Yeshua was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And this is have, the have mercy on us is the phrase is only occurs in the Psalms. It's a, they didn't invent, and this was a point that we talked about, these blind men did not invent language. They are pulling from the Psalms and they are addressing Yeshua as the, as the recipient of the cry. And then Yeshua stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Right. They said, Lord, that our eyes be opened. Moved with compassion, Yeshua touched their eyes. Immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Boom. Right. They took, they took language of David David's Psalms crying out to God, to Yod Vafe. There's not used for anyone else in all of Tanakh. And they directed it towards Yeshua. And he answered, What do you want me to do? He he accepted. <laughs> if he's the way and the truth and life, how come he didn't say, Um, I need to correct you here? Actually, your your theology's bad. No, he's like, What do you want me to do? Then they ask him for a miracle. Right. Without doubt. Right. We just want to be able to see. Okay. Boom. And then they just follow him. You know, and this is, I, I love how Matthew puts this in uh, right juxtaposed with the two, the mother of the sons of Zebedee saying, hey, you know, can they sit on your right hand and on your left? And then the disciples are like worried about who's going to be where. And these blind guys just hear that Yeshua is there and they just start crying out and they don't care what people are going to say. They, they're crying out to Yeshua. He answers their prayer, and then they just follow him. <laughs> okay, I got one. Ooh, I got one. This is fun because we, we can just keep going. We can just keep going, right? Okay, John 14, 8 through 9. Philip oh, said back to, to John. Him, okay. Yeah. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Yeshua said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Mm. How can you say, show us the Father? Yeah. Oh, the John. Oh, wait, hang whole... on. He keeps going. Wait, wait. We got to go to the next verse. Yeah. Do yeah. you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Right. Exactly. John's full of the the wonderful language that is so clear. He like he says, "You believe in, you believe in God. You believe in me." Right. Right. There's no. You. <laughs> yeah. You love God. You love me. These are there are no. You know, and it, and what John is doing is he's unpacking the first of how we open the gospel. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's 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 supposed to blow our minds a little bit. 
you know, it's okay that it blows our mind a little bit. Okay, hang on just a sec. I got. I, <laughs> this is this is fun. This is becoming really fun. Christina says in the in the chat room. I'm going to open the chat. The room. way I've understood that that argument is that yes, it's a part of me, but it's not all of me. Referring to uh, like the, uh, uh, the, the I'm not sure. Oh, uh, he's he he said, and I'm sorry. He said, um, "I'm." Let's read uh, Joshua's comments up here. By his action, the Yeshua showed us that he's Yod Vav Hey. Basically, he says, "Is the arm part of me? Like, is the arm part of the body? Yeah, is your arm part of your body?" And Christina says, "The way I've understood that argument is that yes, it's part of me, but it's not all of me. Jesus is just an extension, not all of Yod Vav Hey." Flip now to Colossians two eight and following. See it. Uh, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elementary, elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Messiah. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The full, the whole amount of deity dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Right. Good. So the fullness of deity dwells in him. He is not a part of yod heh vav -Hey. He is yod heh vav -Hey. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before. I asked my father, this is a while ago, I was asking my father, trying to wrap my head around the, tr the Trinity doctrine. I was saying, you know, maybe when the when the when the spirit was burning the bush uh you know god maybe lives outside of this world and and he can't enter this world because it, it, his glory would would uh you know be too much for this world so maybe the spirit is his way of of interacting with us here and yeshua is his way of interacting with us bodily and my fa father said absolutely not yeah that gets into your what you just described is not far from medieval kabbalah. Right. Okay. And so, the shatter the Lurianic kabbalah of the the Shirat and all exactly. that. Exactly. But my father said to me, Yeshua is fully Yod Hey Vav Hey. And every time that you see Yeshua, you see the Spirit and you see the Father. And every time you see the Spirit, you see Yeshua and the Father. And every time you see the Father, you see the Yeshua and the Spirit. So for instance, when you see the burning bush, what do you see? You see, Yeshua is fully there. It's fully Yeshua. It's fully right. the Father. When you see, uh, and this is why in the John in the John passage, John fourteen, he Yeshua says to to uh, was it Philip? He says to him, "Have have you have I not been with you this whole time?" In other words, that you can see the Father fully because I am I because uh, ego me because I am. That's the point. The fullness of deity dwells in in him. He's not, and you know, he's not a piece of God. He is God, and it's something that we as humans, you know, I far be it from me to try to sit here and say that I can explain the Trinity doctrine to anyone. All I can do is show you what the scriptures say. I can show you what the scriptures affirm that the Father is yod heh vav -Heh, that Yeshua is yod heh vav -Heh, and that the Spirit is yod heh vav -Heh. However, they all work separately, but in complete unison with each other. That's what I can tell you. Trying to explain it, you know, and we have all these little mechanisms, right? Oh, well, it's like, it's like water, ice, and steam. No, it's not. <laughs> That's not what it's like. 
Because we can't as humans understand what the omnipresent and almighty God is. It's beyond our understanding. So anytime we try to explain it with our limited understanding as humans and in our limited brains as humans, it will break us. And the reason why is because we cannot understand the almighty God. And to say that we can is, or to think that we should try to figure it out is to try to put God in a box. It's trying to limit the almighty God. We can't do that. All we can do is look at the the inerrant word of, of Christ and of God, the Father, given to us in the word of God, the Bible, look at it and affirm what it says. That's all we can do. And to do that, we have to say that God is Father, He is Son, He is Spirit, separate but unified, and one. That's what we have to affirm. And if you want to call that the Trinity Doctrine, that's what I call it, so be it. That's what it means to say it's a God is a triune God. Yeah. Now, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I understand that there has been a lot of debate and a lot of uh, probably in, uh, wrong theology that's come from the debates of the Trinity. That doesn't, but, you know, you could say that about anything. You could say that about the, you know, the Crusades were a, a horrific part, a, a horrific mark in Christian history. It doesn't mean that Christians by nature are evil, murderous people. There's bad theology, there's no doubt about it, and there's horrible actions that comes from it. And that could be said about anything. I mean, isn't it true that Satan tries to take and change anything that God has made holy and make it something that's sure. evil? And we can see this in, I mean, our culture is just rife with this right now. Sexuality, something that God has made beautiful in man and woman, has become a, a, you know, a mockery. It's just a total mockery in our present time. And the same with, you know, with... Uh, with, uh, you know, the union of, of marriage, the downplaying of the union of marriage, which is a beautiful and glorious thing within the plan of God has become uh, just it's been thrown into the trash and, and into the gutter by our modern society. And the same thing has happened with the under our understanding of God. But right. but to all of a sudden sit back and reject what the Bible says because you think that, oh, well, the Roman Catholics created it. Read your Bible, people. Read your Bible as interpreted by experts. I wish I had my soundboard hey, well, up. There. I, Go one, ahead. More, one more witness from Mark, because uh, I noticed I turned it off now, but I, <clears throat> while you were uh, going on your, your nice uh, uh, preaching there, Caleb, I was looking through all the great discussion in the forum. But Joshua had a really good point about Yeshua demonstrating who he was through his works, through his actions. Right. Yeah. Not just tell, not just telling people who I am, but just demonstrating who I am. And one good example of that we could get from the Gospel of Mark um, says he came to Capernaum several days afterward. He was at home. Many were gathered together. There was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I love this. He saw their faith. Right? He right. saw their faith. Right. I love that. Who can see faith? God, <laughs> right. only God yeah. sees hearts. 
No but in any doubt. event, uh, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Immediately, Yeshua, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way in themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out of the sight of everyone. So they, that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Okay. I mean, there's another example. They can't answer that. They can't answer the fact that the same person who says you are forgiven is the same person who can say you are healed. Right. And healing instantaneously happens. Instantaneously. And Mark points out, and Yeshua saw their faith. And yeah. he saw, he knew what was, the, they were reasoning in their hearts. All of this in Mark, Mark hits it with us right here in chapter two. All in this one story, he demonstrates how this is all uh, pertinent to understanding who Yeshua is. If Back to our main show topic. If I don't believe Yeshua, and what does it mean? Well, he can forgive my sin. So Yeshua can forgive my sin, but God can forgive my sin too. So I have two people that I can get forgiveness of sin from. I can get it from God, or I can get it from Yeshua. Is that the way they think? Is that how they would read this? I don't understand. I could get healing from two people. I can get healing from Jesus. Or I can get healing from God. Like there are two separate sources of healing. Is that is that the rationale? I, I, I mean, think the, I think the rationale is that it's through God. It's God through Yeshua. But it doesn't work if you read the scriptures. I mean, if you, if you read the scriptures at face value, it doesn't work. Um, you know, Yeshua, the, he knew that they were thinking that, that Yeshua knew that when he says that our sins are forgiven, he knows that these scribes, are looking at him and thinking he's a blasphemer. Yep, that is true. Um, it, it, there's a great. And then, so what does he do? He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't say, "I am Yoni Mavi in the flesh." Right. I am. What he does, and this is back to Joshua's point about, he just does it. He just says, "Okay, which is easier?" And then he heals the guy, and they can't answer it. And then he lets them. He Yeshua is not in a hurry. Yeshua never chases after anybody. Right. He just is. Right? I am who I am. He doesn't chase after anybody. He let he lets them deal with the discomfort. <laughs> you know what I mean? He knows that being who he is is going to shake things up. And he doesn't it doesn't bother him. Let let them wrestle with it. But he's going to call it always like it is. He's going to say speak the truth in love. He's going to heal when he heals. He's going to have grace when he has grace. And he's going to turn over the money changer tables when he turns over the money changer tables, you know? So th there's, there's two, there's two points I want to make here. Number one, there is a great book on this. And the reason that I had, I don't push it more is because you really have to have a, uh, a basic to uh, basic intermediate somewhere in there, uh, 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 handle on biblical Greek to be able to read this book uh, and get get it for all it's worth. But Dr. Christopher Tilling's work, Chris Tilling, uh, his work, Paul, uh, Paul's Divine Christology, is unbelievable. 
It is really, really good. Yeah, that's a good one. And basically what he does is he doesn't hit, he doesn't hit all the, all the passages that we hit today. Instead, what he's, what he does is he goes through all the passages that you wouldn't think are about Yeshua's deity. And he shows that they are about Yeshua's deity. In other words, there's only several places in the entire corpus of Paul's work that Tilling says, uh, don't highlight the deity of Yeshua. It, it it's so good. So if you have a, a little bit of a handle on Greek, I would, you know, I would encourage you to read that book. Otherwise, uh, you know, well, you can try to stumble through it if you'd like. The other point I'd like to make is that, you know, every time that the that the deity issue or that the Trinity do, uh, doctrine debate comes up, obviously the deity of the Messiah is the key point. Was Yeshua God, right? That's the key point that everyone's going to hit on. The question of the Holy Spirit and whether or not there is a triune God as opposed to Yeshua in the flesh being God seems to be left by the wayside in these conversations. And the one thing that I would say is that I think that it is vitally important to understand the Spirit's role. And if we read John 16, and this is really where I think that the the Holy Spirit's role is really highlighted by Yeshua, right? Now remember, Yeshua is at... He's at the Passover table. He's at the Passover table with his disciples, and he's talking about the work that he's doing and that he's going to do and the work that is happening between him and the Father. And what's the what's the link between him and the Father? The Spirit. They share the same Spirit, right? And what does he say in John 16? That he, that he will give us that same Spirit. The way that salvation happens is that that spirit dwells in us. So when when the Father sees us, what does he see? He doesn't see Caleb Hegg. He doesn't see Rob Van Hoff. He sees Yeshua because Yeshua's spirit is dwelling in us through salvation. This is the point. The reason that the Trinity doctrine is so vital is because it is the way that we're saved. It is salvation. God working in a, in a triune manner is the way that we as believers can stand before the Almighty God and have justification. That right. the blood of it's the nature of fellowship. Like first exactly. John, the epistle of first John says that we would have fellowship, that we would have joy of fellowship with God. Right. And that's the whole throughout the Torah. And they will be, I will be their Elohim and they will be my people. That's the promise throughout the prophets. Once redemption is worked, is God dwelling with his people. And, you know, Revelation, same thing. Fellowship. No doubt. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's oh, been one, a- one other side note. We, we got an email. It, PJ had a good, he, he, I think he mentioned that some people ask, why in, in, does Paul disregard the Ruach in his salutations in his letter? In other words, Paul always just says, talks about the Father and the Son. And my response, I said, in my opinion, this is my email response. The reason Paul doesn't mention the Ruach in his salutations is because it's the Ruach that's moving him. And it's the Ruach at work in the recipients of the letter to hear and receive the message. The Holy Spirit always directs attention to the Father and the Son. That's how I look at it. Anyway, so the Ruach is there in the in the, the impulse and inspiration to write this letter. Right. That's where the Ruach is. And then also... Flesh and blood's not going to be able to hear that letter. The people who hear and are edified by that letter are those who have the Ruach also. The Spirit dwells in them, right? Yeah. Good Boy, stuff. it's been a fun show. Time flies when you're having fun. 
Thank you, everyone, for the prayers for my family. I really appreciate it. And uh, we have a, a final memorial service tomorrow for my brother. So continued prayer. Uh, would be much appreciated. And yeah, I, you know, the, the deity conversations and Trinity conversations are some of my favorite conversations that we could have because it really hashes out not only who God is, but how he works and why he works in us and the way that we are justified. Well, I hope this conversation has done one thing and one thing Happy alone. Shavuot. Happy Shavuot. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.